The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Mind Your Own Podcast with Aaron Sorensen and Sasha Durkin. Where we stick to sports, except when we're not. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Own Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Sasha. And I am drinking a very disgustingly green kind of, I don't want to say juice. It's not juice. It's a smoothie. But if anyone wants to know how my day is going, I'm drinking it. It's not disgusting. It just looks disgusting. <laughs> Anything with green in it in a, in a smoothie. I actually prefer those, mm. um, how they taste. But yeah, it always throws people off. It does. But besides my, you know, having to I'm acting like someone's forcing me to. I wanted to drink this, but I just definitely made it more green than I was expecting it to be. I grabbed like a giant, uh, just a giant handful of spinach out of the bag and just like did not measure anything, just threw it in there. And I went, I was aggressive. I will be honest, I was very aggressive. <laughs> but besides that, I am, I'm doing well. How are you this week? Um, Better than last week. Um, well, like Movies we're done. Yes, <laughs> we're done. Um, I'm done putting together furniture. If Brian wants anything else, he mm -hmm. can buy it and he can put it together and I'm done. <laughs> All the boxes have been for the most part put away except for stuff that was already in boxes in our previous house. And so, yeah, I'm good. Now I just have a, our new house is substantially larger than our old house. And so I'm going to be putting together a spreadsheet of days that I will be cleaning certain things <laughs> because I'm not going to take an entire idea. Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they say that's a good idea though. Like you're supposed to like make your life easier by breaking out everything that you're supposed to do into like, okay, on yeah. this day I do this on this day I do this. And then it's not supposed to be as big of an undertaking. Yeah. I've never gotten myself to that point though. I'm going to have to just because otherwise I'll, I'll go insane trying to keep <laughs> everything clean. Um, and yeah, I'm just not going to do that. So, <laughs> well, this has also been a week. It's, it's, it's not funny, but I was going to say it's funny, uh, but it's not. Uh, this week is just also, I say I'm doing well, you know, from a personal standpoint, I'm, I'm doing fine. Mm -hmm. uh, there's just been a lot of things in the world over the last week. So many things that like, I feel like we could talk about, um, but this should be of no surprise to anyone that I really wanted to talk about the NCAA today. I basically mm -hmm. just told you I, we're talking about the NCAA because yes. since our last episode, there's been just a fun, fun slew of information that has come forward about the NCAA women's volleyball tournament. Mm. And long story short, I'm very disappointed in so many things, so many people. And yeah, from that perspective, I have been pretty fired up for, yeah. hmm, I don't know, what, what was the, when did this all break? April 8th? Yeah, I um, think so. I think so that's right. it's it's been a wild few days. Yeah, um, I really don't. Um, 
how how many times do you need to stub your toe before you wake up and realize that it is not okay to treat women's athletics this way? I'm yes. very so, concerned. If you are if you are listening and you are not 100% sure or maybe you feel like you're missing some of the details, here's a quick rundown of what happened over th- this was a few days. Um I do want to be clear though. A lot of the concerns that started to c- come up around April 8th actually had been and by the way, if anyone can hear it, my computer has decided to overheat. That's just where we're at in this <laughs> point. So sorry about it. You just get to listen to the, the like nice calming sounds of my computer trying to take flight at the yeah. moment. Hey, right. um, no, it, so John Cook has been bringing some of these concerns up for a while. Mm-hmm. It all really started when the NCAA limited the size of the tournament to 48 teams, which was down from the typical 64. This was something that they'd been talking about since, honestly, things were able to move forward with football and mm-hmm. then also with the basketball tournaments. Why were these Why were these other um, sports allowed to move forward with a full, like the normal, quote-unquote normal, field Mm -hmm. but volleyball was still having to be limited but then he had started to say some things in press conferences that you know made people raise a little bit of an eyebrow of you know that seems interesting and other coaches started to say the same thing and it all led to this so emily amen and i hope i'm saying her name correctly she is she works for btn she's actually a former volleyball player herself Mm -hmm. she tweeted I just got word that the first two rounds of the NCAA volleyball tournament will not have a broadcast crew or commentators. This is absolutely unacceptable. Teams have been preparing for over a year and a half for this opportunity. We need to be better. And she, uh, you know, attached the NCAA. So let's, there's so many things to unpack here, but Mm. we need to like keep going. So that was the first part. Then not long after, she said, I'd like to add that all matches are being played in a convention center, where as of yesterday, coaches were told there, there will be no locker rooms until the Elite Eight. Players will have to change out of warm-ups into jerseys on the bench. <laughs> okay? Again, there's, like, pieces that will break down with all yeah. of this. But then she comes back and says, per multiple NCAA volleyball coaches, the eight practice courts in the convention center are sport court layered over cement flooring. This is very high risk for injury and not suitable for not suitable for player safety, especially any players jumping repeatedly. Now, this is something that Cook actually I want to just like for people and I so if you listen to Greg Smith's straight up breakdown podcast, I was a guest this week and we did talk about this. If you hear us talk about anything and you go, Oh, you're pinpointing this one particular person in the media. I want you to understand. I read a few different mm-hmm. columns, think pieces on how people were whining, how people were just like upset with the NCAA to prove that they're woke. How I want you to know that any one person you are thinking of, totally fine. I am actually talking about multiple people who basically said anyone who was coming forward with concern was doing so out of a place of basically like whining, wanting to be woke, all of this stuff. So anyway, um, (laughs) then the reason I point that out though, is John Cook, for instance, had said previously a couple of weeks prior to all of this, that Nebraska UNO, Creighton, local Division I teams around this area because the the convention center in Omaha was hosting, is hosting. 
that they were sending their, they were going to send their TerraFlex flooring. Now, TerraFlex is a very, very nice flooring. It's what is used for the, their matches. Mm-hmm. It's the best of the best. Now, when you don't have TerraFlex, the next thing is you basically take Sport Court and you're putting, um, essentially like padding underneath mm-hmm. it to help give absorb. some absorb. Yep, just to absorb some of that shock mm-hmm. from the amount of jumping that the women and in same with like any sport, basketball, yes. doesn't matter. You that is how it works. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> so it comes out that like maybe they're not installing some of these courts with the utmost with the player's safety a hundred percent in mind. So <sighs> of course. And like I said, we'll come back to all these. I just want to give context if you're like, I kind of feel like I missed some of this. The NCAA has to release a statement, which they have become very used to, and you think that they would get better at, but they remain (laughs) not good at it. So they release this, they release this, or they put this tweet out, and the tweet has three different photographics in it, all First one, NCAA statement on broadcast. As in previous years, there is no requirement to produce coverage of or provide live commentary for the first and second rounds of the Division I Women's Volleyball Championship. This year, in partnership with the NCAA, ESPN committed to cover every match, either live stream or broadcast. Due to pandemic-related restrictions in the format this year, there are additional technical challenges, including four streams going out at the same time from one location. Announcers will call matches remotely for the regional semifinals and regional finals, and then we'll be on site to call matches for the NCAA national semifinals and championship match. Great. Their statement on changing rooms. Contrary to reports, players were never expected to change clothes on the bench. Each team will have a secure changing area on site. Great. Okay. Statement on flooring. To address concerns about the practice court flooring in the convention center, felt underlayment is applied to each practice court to apply cushioning and prevent court movement. The TerraFlex floor will be laid over felt underlayment and sport court floor for the first three rounds of competition. Starting with the regional finals, matches will be played in the CHI Health Center and on a sport court over a wood sport flooring system, which has been the traditional setup for the championship. Uh, Okay. So it's not done. We're not done. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, that's the worst part is we're not done. So anyway, ESPN eventually comes forward because they had said in a statement to a couple of reporters locally, they had not finalized their coverage. They ended up coming forward and saying, ESPN is committed to presenting the NCAA volleyball championship in its entirety for the first time this year, including the first and second round matches, despite the variety of challenges related to the pandemic, all 47 matches will be live on an ESPN platform and will include commentators. Okay. So here's where we are. The teams have started arriving. Um, There's been a lot of, I, I would say a majority of people are on the side of the NCAA can be better. But like I said, I have read, I read a USA Today story or column that basically was like, everyone who's against the NCAA, like show them some grace. You're just acting woke. Um, you know, there's obviously a local columnist that people were upset with that had said, essentially calling it whining, mm. saying that the media who was calling it out was whining. But like, I want to say, these are, these are just one example. Like I've seen multiple examples of this. So first and foremost, I don't think any of us are whining. I, <laughs> I wrote a lot. So if you don't mind, Sasha, can I read this one thread that I wrote on Twitter and then yes. we can dive into these? Yes. I don't believe this is whining, but this was my takeaway. 
I have been trying to collect my thoughts for a while and I'm going to try because I've seen some ask how the NCAA could get this so wrong after what just happened with the women's basketball tournament. The simple answer is that you have to truly care about women's sports. I've seen some people say the NCAA is treating the volleyball tournament and previously the women's basketball tournament like chores or like a second rate event, which it does feel like that. In a quote-unquote typical year, there are host sites for these tournaments. Men's included, of course, because you have to be clear. I'm aware that the men are included in this. Mm -hmm. So these host sites are going to do what they can to make the experience as great for as the visitors. Like So as a note, how, at all levels, whether it's at the school sites or a site like Omaha, they're vying for these things. They mm -hmm. want to be the host. So when they get it, when they're told you get to host however many teams – they want to make this a great experience. They obviously are given guidelines from the NCAA, NCAA to make each host site comparable to the others. Mm -hmm. But when you are one of the teams at Nebraska's host sites for, a Nebraska, for the NCAA volleyball tournament, Nebraska is going to be the one that's rolling out the red carpet, mm -hmm. not the NCAA. You're getting the experience because of the host, not the NCAA. So in 2021, the NCAA was forced to act as the full host of all of these events. That's not to say they handled everything perfectly prior to now, as we've seen, not at all. Mm -hmm. But in a year where the NCAA itself has had to be its own full host, they've shown what does and does not matter. You can yell about revenue and this and that, and certainly many have, but for the record, the NCAA really shouldn't matter about revenue because that is not what they're there for. Right. They're there for the equitable treatment of their athletes. Stop making it about revenue in this sense. Anyway, but the NCAA has simply shown that women's sports have not been their priority in a time when the spotlight was firmly on them. And that sucks. It's not surprising, but it sucks. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm mad. It should be better than this for women's sports. The athletes deserve it to be. The thing is, is I compare it a little bit to an offensive line and a quarterback. Mm -hmm. How many times has one of Nebraska's quarterbacks essentially bailed out its offensive line. Yeah. So when that quarterback leaves and now you're left with a different quarterback, you're suddenly going, well, the offensive line does not seem as strong as I had once thought it was mm -hmm. because that quarterback bailed a lot of things out. In the case of the NCAA, with everything that has happened, they had a lot of host sites for all of these different events sincerely making it easy for them not to have to do much besides provide you the guidelines give you you know give you the budgets all of this stuff mm -hmm. it was up to the host site from that point to make it the experience that it was so now that they are having to like sort of be the event planner they're having to oversee everything it's all falling apart because well yeah. they've had a lot of people who've bought them out of this situation many times before right so, well, and, and for as long as these tournaments have been happening in the NCAA is that, you know, the governing body of that, I think that, um, the inadequacies <laughs> that have been glaring, um, I mean, it, it sucks that it had to happen this way, but I'm glad that, I mean, I'm not glad for the athletes. I'm glad that there are some measures being put forth to try to remedy some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. But in a way, I'm almost glad that it happened that they were exposed by this because now they have to address it. Yeah, they have to. Because the NCAA at its core, and this is on their website, the National Collegiate Athletic Association is a member-led organization dedicated to the well-being and lifelong success of college athletes. That is what they exist for. And 
when we talk about dedicating themselves to safeguarding the well-being of a student athlete, are they doing that? And I saw people who wanted to say, well, maybe it's not the NCAA here. Maybe it's Mecca. Maybe Mecca didn't, you know, get things correct down at the convention center. Mm-hmm. And I will, I will say, sure, possible. But isn't it the NCAA's job that if they realize something is not happening to its standards to step in and go, as the host, your expectations are to, we expect you to meet these things to mm-hmm. keep our student athletes safe or to be equitable. And you are not, you are not meeting those guidelines. And it is our job to step in and tell you that's not acceptable. Same thing with ESPN, mm-hmm. because like I said, we can dive into each of these. So let's just start there. Let's start with the TV thing. I want to just explain why this was such a big deal for people who are like, well, it's never been on TV all this time. Okay. You're only kind of half true there. What the reality with this situation is ESPN for the first time has the rights to every single round. Mm -hmm. They have the rights to the entire event in years past, typically with these first two rounds, because they're at individual site locations Because ESPN isn't throwing them on ESPN3 or ESPNU or whatever, different different people can basically bid to have these games, like NET, the Big Ten Network, um, any of your local, the Longhorn Network, any of these people who run these different, like, offshoots have the right then to be able to say, well, we want to take this game so we can show it locally. So if you're a Nebraska fan, you've probably never not noticed that everything isn't technically required as the NCAA so boldly pointed out. Not everything is required to be broadcast because a lot of times these schools have either their own local station or they have somebody who's willing to pick it up. They do it as a live stream. So as far as you know, it is being covered. Right. Now we could sit there and say, well, that doesn't seem right either that like, it's kind of then dependent on if somebody locally wants to pick it up. But a lot of times it's the same thing throughout this Nebraska volleyball season in the weeks where there were some holes, or if the game was not going to be broadcast in a certain way, NET would pick it up and show it locally. Right. That is how these broadcast deals work is a lot of times local entities have the rights to them. If the big players like ESPN and stuff aren't going to show them. So when we talk about, well, they're never been, they've never been required to. I'm not sure I would be like using that as my guidepost here because right. one that does, that still doesn't sound great, but two, there were at least other opportunities by ESPN having the rights to this entire event. It basically did not allow for somebody like NET to right. come in and broadcast right. this, which I get COVID pandemic, mm-hmm. whatever you have to limit this, but that is the issue here is you did not have what was traditionally going to be an option, which is if Nebraska was hosting right, for them to be able to say, okay, NET is going to come in and at least show our games, or they're going to do this or the big 10 network's going to do this. Like you didn't have that option this year. So yeah, I can get why people were like, why are we not going to get to see the games? Or if we get to see, are we just watching like a live feed with like nothing? Mm -hmm. You had schools literally offering, you had schools literally offering, we'll do it. We'll give you the broadcast team. We'll give you the commentators. Like just Mm -hmm. give us the feed to be able to do it and we will happily do it. And these same schools were saying the NCAA wasn't responding to them. Right. Why? (laughs) It, why? Why? And why is it on the schools to solve? Right. Why is it on these programs to solve this? Yet they are. And I like I saw that. So 
for instance, one of the people who had said this, her name is Jessica Leafheit. She's the Associate Director of Communications Media Relations for Western Kentucky Volleyball and Western Kentucky Softball. She had said they reached out, offered to provide remote commentator for any matches that they played in and hadn't received an answer. And she had people responding that said, yep, we did the same thing. Why? Why? Well, if, if someone's off, one, one, it should not be up to the schools to provide this to you. That's not... That's not their job. That's Mm-mm. your job, NCAA. But two, if they are offering to do that, in a way, it's bailing you out. So why would you ignore them? And why would you, in a way, to me, ignoring is denying them the opportunity to broadcast for the families that are not able to come to these games? Right. Because that's a big thing this year, too, is the number of in attendance is significantly limited. Mm -hmm. I mean, even from a media standpoint. So if anyone is curious how this works for the media, I have a credential, um, but it's a virtual credential. So like, I don't, up until the point, like if Nebraska reaches the sweet 16 and beyond, then yes, like things could happen in person, but more, you know, more than likely right now, the focus has to just remain on like, what does the next couple of matches look like? One game at a time. John Cook would say that just focus on one game at a (laughs) time. So for me, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to see that arena anytime soon. There's most, most family and friends are not going to see that arena anytime soon. And they want to watch, they want to watch their loved ones. They want to watch these young, these young athletes who have dedicated their, you know, so much time and Mm -hmm. energy, especially in one of the most difficult years, and they're not going to be able to watch them. So I understand that this was ESPN's decision. So good on ESPN for doing the bare minimum. However, I still put pressure on the NCAA here. And I don't care. I don't care if you think I'm just like, like railing on the NCAA about this. But again, it is the NCAA's job to have its student athletes backs. If the NCAA was like, hey, ESPN, I know this is really difficult. It's going to be really tough for you to be able to broadcast all of these games. We got it. But somehow we can make this work. It will be tough, but we'll do it. You need to do it. Because if you're going to pay for the rights to this thing, come on. Right do what's right for our athletes. But the NCAA is just kind of like based on their, their reply was just like, well, nothing we can do about Shucky it. Cause darn. this is just the way it's been. Oh, right. shucks. Like I, I don't, here's the thing. If you are somebody who wants to defend the NCAA, they don't need you to defend them. Mm. They, you, they don't, the NCAA does not need you to defend them. They, they have made their bed so many times in so many ways you don't, you don't need to do this. Like, yeah. <laughs> and what is the point of that? They don't, they're not going to be your best friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I'm very frustrated by this. And I think I've tried so hard to get my thoughts around it. And I do at times and I don't at times. And I, I'm tired of people telling women, especially, and people of color that when we notice something that we feel is unfair, is not equitable, is not living up to the bylaws that the entity that is supposed to be in charge of this has, Mm -hmm. that that we are somehow being too loud. We're whining. We're not just being, we're not just being grateful for this thing. We're just trying to be woke. Like these are the things that like when I read them or I see them or somebody says them to me point blank, I had people in my, mentions who both the women's basketball tournament and this were like oh you're just you're just an angry woman and it's like so what if I am right and honestly me be mad why is that a bad thing right and it's our right as a human being to have equity 
So by pointing the inadequate inadequacies and inequities out, why does that bother you? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, don't think it's too much to ask. These are things that had come up so many times before. And if you're somebody who doesn't realize that, like the whole, um, like I said, the field itself, the number of teams, this has been getting discussed for months. It, it, same thing with the whole location thing. When, when Omaha decided to host everything just at the CHI Health Center, people questioned that decision at the time. Mm-hmm. I saw a number of people from both coaches to member of the members of the media who called into question that decision. Why not take advantage like the basketball tournaments and use the Ralston arena, mm-hmm. uh, the mid America center, the CHI health center, uh, Sokol arena mm-hmm. f- at Creighton. You could even go down to Lincoln and do Devaney. You have pinnacle bank. If you need it um, in Omaha, I'm even missing uh, Baxter. Arena. Right. Like you have all of these venues available to you within a very like very easy driving distance. Mm-hmm. If if it was going to be a challenge to host everything in one location and provide things like a proper locker room, um, the just if if all of those things were going to be difficult, why not take advantage of all of the things that Omaha has to offer? Because Omaha is really really good at hosting events. Yeah. So why was this one? Why is this one going to be the one that gives Omaha the black eye? Right. And. I've seen people who are like, well, why are these things coming to a head right now? Because the event is here. Right. These things like are not new conversations. I like, if you think this conversation is new, if you're like, why is this the first time anyone's talking about this? You haven't been paying attention yeah. because like I said, John Cook has been bringing this up for months, months, months. <laughs> right. This, this is the stuff that it's like, do not sit here and go, well, it's just like if this was an issue you should have said something sooner you're not listening everyone did that's why we keep repeating it it's those people that say those types of things that really get under my skin a little bit because it's like you're not paying attention that's why we have to keep repeating ourselves and keep bringing things up and keep shouting it louder and louder because you are not listening and you are not hearing that is why yep it's just you know I think about, and so then a lot of times people, when you start to have these conversations, they go, it's not just women's basketball. It's not just women's volleyball. Mm -hmm. It's all non-revenue sports. And we do have an issue with wanting to do whataboutism where it's like, well, great. What about this? What about that? What about this? In fact, I even saw a person who, (laughs) this stuff just cracks me up. If you get into my mentions and do something like this, I'm going to tell you right now, you're either going to get blocked or you're going to get muted because I just do not have time for this. But this person basically tried to accuse me of, well, you're not writing about the softball team you're not writing about the bowling team and or you're not writing articles about the bas- the women's basketball team and first and foremost I don't need to defend myself to you I just don't but yeah. if you if you are not actively looking at what I do you don't have room to talk because one first and foremost if you follow Hale Varsity close enough you know that our beat reporter for women's basketball is Derek Peterson mm-hmm. are you asking me to take his job just because I'm a woman right. when we talk about getting more women and people of color in so here's the ironic part with that I just because I'm a woman don't need to take the women's basketball beat because Derek is really good at mm-hmm. it like he really really he he understands the sport of basketball far beyond what I do so why would I take that from him but when I talk about getting more women and people of color in this industry people are like well it's not about 
it's yeah. just like a circle all the time. It's like, yes, it's about the person who's best for the job. It's just about giving people opportunities. But again, like in this case, the best person on our team to cover this particular sport is Derek because he knows basketball better than I do. Right. Why would I take that from him? I still want a seat at the table. I still want an opportunity. I still want a chance to be able to work in this industry. But just because like basketball isn't my thing doesn't mean I'm like suddenly eliminated from it. Right. But it's like, if I, like, if I tweet about a women's sports, if I'm tweeting about women's golf, if I'm tweeting about this, like, people aren't liking my, like, and I don't care, but I want to say, like, this is the funny thing, is if I go tweet about football, I have 180 likes. Mm -hmm. If I tweet about women's golf, I have 10. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to stop tweeting about women's golf. I'm just saying, like, you also have to show up for women's sports. Like, you as a viewer, you as the consumer also have to show up for it because it's really, really rich to tell someone like me, why don't you do more when you don't bother to show up and read or support or do any of the stuff when I do talk about it. Because if you say I'm not talking about it, you're not paying attention. Right. And that is the frustrating part because it's like, well, I only see you talk about football. Well, then you are that's not the only one you're looking. reading. That's the only that's one, the one you're paying attention to. Yep. You that's the one that has when it comes across your feed, you notice. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go see it, like I was tweeting about Kate Smith when she was at Augusta. Mm-hmm. I wasn't giving live updates, but like I was giving like updates throughout the day with how she was doing. Mm-hmm. Like come on, pay attention. Like I, I'm not going to have somebody come after me and like assume I could totally be better. A hundred percent. There are always active ways where I'm like, where am I missing something? Where is my own bias, my own privilege, limiting my perspective, Mm -hmm. uh, limiting me from seeing a story or something that I should be doing hundred percent. But do not, do not, do not come at me and be like, you don't care about these things because I do (laughs) to the point that people get in my mentions and tell me I care about them too much, which is not true. You can't care about things too much. Right. But it's just. It's frustrating because this goes back to the conversation we've had a billion times on this podcast. You cannot have it both ways. And I, people so much want to have it both ways. They want to sit on one side of the fence and then when it comes to something that they don't like, be on the other side of it. You can't have it both ways. Just pay attention. It's not that freaking hard. And a lot of times if you have nothing nice to say, just don't say anything at all. Shut it. Yeah, just, you know, sometimes the best thing you can do is just to sit back and listen to people. So I, I brought this up. I was invited to sit on a panel for Temple University, they did a uh, sports business conference and they had a women in sports panel, was invited to be part of it. It was a huge, like, it just meant a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I brought this one TikTok that I follow up. It's her perspective. And it's this woman who um, she's just like so, so smart. Um, the reason that I appreciate her is because women are told a lot of things we are told you know if you if you're too loud if you're too this if you're too that if you're too passionate if you're this like we're constantly having to find ourselves in boxes like we're having to constantly fit within the parameters of these spaces that people have created for us and or want us to be fit within and she talks very much about how 
no, like we, women are not here to make you feel comfortable are not here to just be wives or to be mothers. Those things, yes, they can be a wife and a mother, but they can also be this and they can be this and they can be this. Like women are just as multifaceted of humans as anyone else. And I think when we point out the disparity of something like what has happened with the women's basketball tournament or the women's volleyball tournament, all we're asking for is the people in charge to take a step back and understand why people are upset and yes. to make a change, put people at the, t- this is why you need women at the table making decisions. This is why you need people of color in the room at the table, making decisions, offering input mm-hmm. because you are a more inclusive. You are a more, uh, you, you see problems before they come along when you have people in the room who can, can provide that input The NCAA is a broken organization that has functioned in one way for a long time because it has not had to, it has not had to face these things. It is now having to face them. Let's stop getting in the way of change. Let's require the thing that is supposed to make the sport safer, more equitable for the student athlete. Let's get out of the way of the change that can happen to make that better. Right. Why is it a big deal? Y'all, y'all rail on the NCAA about other things. Yeah. So why not allow this change to happen? And why is it, why is it a big hubbub to, to be progressive and change those things? I don't, I, I really fail to understand why people get uptight about or get in people's mentions and start yelling and screaming into the ether like what why what is the problem with change why why is it an issue to want more equitable treatment of all athletes I don't Mm -hmm. understand it I really just don't and if somebody is out there that stumbled upon this podcast and you have an answer for me if you could explain it I would appreciate it because that's a perspective I just don't have yeah and I saw this, it was, it was very fitting. So I also want to explain, like, if you're somebody who's like, it sounds like you're stumbling over a lot of this. I am because I'm learning actively as we go. Um, but at the end of this, like whole, the first couple of days now, I don't think any of this is far from done. I think we're going to have plenty of, mm-hmm. um, conversations to be had because when we do talk about non-revenue sports and we talk about everything from how, uh, bowling to uh you know even i i hear i hear you when somebody's like the men's cross country teams are not getting the same i i hear you Mm -hmm. these are all things that we need to have conversations about but we cannot keep we cannot get to the heart of the conversation if we don't chip away a little bit at a time and if we want to get to that next piece let's not muddy the waters each step of the way let's solve problems as we go so that way we can be we can keep solving these problems because I hear you when you say, but you know, they're not treated this way over here. They're not treated fairly here. I hear you. We need to solve a lot of things, but we cannot do it. If we're trying to grab it too many things at one time, Mm -hmm. we have to be able to break things down chunk by chunk. I will say this, this quote came up. So the New York times did an interactive story about just what people have learned through the pandemic. And one of the, One of the responses I shared on Twitter was, I am not going to try to be polite anymore. I am going to be hope. I'm going to hopefully become a less behaved, less likable, ballsier, more outspoken, more dangerous woman. All of these rules I had followed, these rules will not save me. And 
coming to terms with that for myself has been hard, but the reality is as I get older, I, as somebody who desires so much to be liked, I do not care if you like me anymore. Mm -hmm. If me speaking up for Black Lives Matter is the thing where you just cannot take it anymore, okay, see ya. If me having an ax to grind with the NCAA because I think they can be better for women and people of color, that's that's the straw that breaks the camel's back for you. Okay, see ya. Right. We are not going to agree on everything. We are not going to agree on everything. But I am done being made to feel like I cannot speak up because it makes you uncomfortable. That is not my job. My job is not to make you comfortable. I am here to certainly provide you the best information I can on the topics I cover, but I'm a human being at the end of the day and I am not here for your entertainment. Something that really stuck out to me that I saw recently and I keep thinking about quite a bit and I remind myself, I try to remind myself of every day when I start to get that feeling I think most women know that feeling that it's it's really uncomfortable it kind of is right below your rib cage um of like it's it's probably shame <laughs> um but your expectations are not my responsibility mm-hmm. i keep my side of the street clean i do what i need to do what i think is right and if i can learn some things through perspective other people's perspective along the way that is amazing but Anybody else's expectations of me aren't my responsibility. I don't hold that weight. It's not on me. That's on we, the other person. We are not responsible for what somebody thinks of us. Nope. Like, obviously, treat people with kindness and respect yes. unless it absolutely does not warrant it. But, you know, if somebody doesn't like me, they don't like me. Right. And I just, <laughs> I think when I approach this podcast every week. And I think about, you know, I'm sure there are some people who have listened and left or maybe have gone in waves where they're like, Oh, could you talk about something other than women's rights? Come on. But the reality is, is no, because this stuff affects me every single day. It's even like I half joked with Sasha before we started recording this, but I'm just going to say this one little bit about it. It's even when you think about why Taylor Swift is re-recording all of her albums, Mm -hmm. all of her original six albums that were prior to her new record deal, which I will not give you all the background on. If you really want to know, um, I'm happy to link something about it, but also you can just Google why did Taylor Swift, Swift choose to do this. And there are so many really, really good resources to explain it. But in the creative spaces, especially uh, creative spaces are not kind to the creators. They're kind to those that own the creators essentially. But I'm going to just tell you this right now. Please hear me when I say this. Women and people of color are more likely to be taken advantage of in creative spaces than white men. And women because we have been told, you know, to just be grateful to be here, just to be happy to be considered. Um, We have a hard time negotiating. I mean, Taylor Swift signed these deals when she was like a preteen, like these, these deals, like for her, like, I mean, it was just like, thank goodness I have a record deal. Yeah. She has been taken advantage of since. And the fact that men at her expense 
basically try to sell her masters to profit off of her. And so she, because she has the resources to do so, decided I'm not going to allow this. And so that I can basically take all the power back from them. I'm going to re-record all of these. And I'm not just going to re-record them. I'm going to make them sound very similar to the original. So people want to license these. They want these songs. It, it's a power move mm-hmm. that is not afforded to everyone. I want to be clear. This is not a power move that is afforded to everyone. It's afforded to Taylor Swift because she has the resources to do so. And I hope that she continues to use this to advocate for more creators, especially women and people of color who need it. Um, but this is the reality of the world that we live in. It is, it is substantially harder for women <laughs> to be heard. Because even like a podcast like this, somebody probably is like, oh, you're just complaining. You're just complaining. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe I am. But I have a right to complain. Men can complain. Like we we all can complain. But a lot of my complaints come from a place of I don't think that you understand why it's so much harder for women. Right. And they don't want they don't want to take the time to understand the perspective either sometimes. Like I mean, just trying to explain, sometimes they do, and it it can be jarring when you actually hear what we're saying, um, and I think that that's sometimes what why people don't listen, because it makes them uncomfortable, because if they really had to sit with the reality that is being a woman on a day-to-day basis, it is uncomfortable, and it's scary, and it sucks. It's pretty shitty sometimes, dependent on where you're at in your life, but just hear, like, Active listening is super important. Active listening is actually hearing what the other person is saying and taking the time to absorb it. Yeah. And I mean, if you're so like, I think about this for myself. Um, When I think about this for myself and where like my own privilege and my own biases, Mm -hmm. like another, another black man was killed this week in Minneapolis by a police officer who claims it was an accident confusing a taser, confusing a gun for a taser. So this is where, this is when we talk about those uncomfortable feelings. When you are not directly affected by something, it's really, really easy to get uncomfortable when you feel like people are calling you out. When you feel Mm -hmm. like people are speaking to you, but I've always, I have found myself now. So I can't, I, I, I liked it on TikTok. I'll have to go find it. But there's this one creator. He's, um, he's, a, he's awesome. He basically said, if you hear something and you internalize it and say, you're talking about me and you get defensive because of that, you need to step back for a moment and mm-hmm. hear why, because it is not on the, it is not the job of that person to say, no, 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 I'm not talking about you. If you think that there's a reason that they're talking about you, you need to ask yourself why. I legitimately had this conversation with my husband last night. I was like, something this person said really stuck with me and I assumed they were talking about me and I really need to sit with that and figure that out. Yeah, and that's the thing is like when I sit back and I I think about the fact that the that we have woken up for another day and it's not, I mean, this is just what's in the news, but every single day um, 
black men and women, uh, people of color have shared with us these struggles, the things that they're feeling. And it can make you feel uncomfortable, but you have to sit with that uncomfortable. If you're uncomfortable, you have to sit with that because going back to her perspective on TikTok, she also made a comment that if somebody says, hey, what you just said is ableist. So for instance, an example being the, did I stutter, which I have used, mm-hmm. I have said in my life, but for somebody with a stutter, that is a really, really hurtful comment. Yeah. And people get defensive where they're like, I didn't know I wasn't attacking anyone. Instead of getting defensive, step back, step back and go, yeah, and think- I see how this very seemingly innocent comment could be very hurtful to someone. Mm-hmm. We, are really bad <laughs> as humans at understanding pain that is not our own. It is very much, well, because I don't feel this thing or because I have not personally ex- experienced it or seen it or felt it. It's not an issue in my community because I haven't witnessed it, which a lot of times it might be an issue in your community, but you just aren't seeing it. Mm-hmm. We get defensive when people say, but you're just not seeing it. So going all the way back to the NCAA, when I say like, hey, these things are not new conversations, people get defensive because they're like, well, I haven't seen it. Just because you haven't seen something doesn't mean it's not there. And it's not, yeah, just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it isn't real. It's, it's our job to be able, if somebody tells you I'm hurting, I'm hurting, this thing hurts me, or this thing isn't fair, or this isn't equitable or whatever. It is our job not to, not to get defensive and be like, you're wrong. Let me tell you why you're wrong. It is our job to step back and say, I may not understand, but I want to listen. And I want to understand why this harm is harmful. I want to understand why you're hurting because that's terrible. Why would I want you to be hurting? I don't want that. So let's, let's sit down and I like, I will at least listen to you. So when people talk about what is happening once again in Minneapolis at the same time that the trial of Derek Chauvin is happening, by the way, for the murder of George Floyd, these are things that communities, people, oppressed communities are saying, we are hurting, Mm -hmm. listen to us. It doesn't matter. You may sit here and go, Aaron, you're, you're stretching. No, I don't think so. Anytime no. somebody tells you, I am hurting, this is a situation that could be better. Can you at least listen? And if, and if you're Why not, and if you're a person who is like, no, it's not that bad. When you say that to somebody who's hurting, you're in a way trying to erase what their feelings are and what they're actually going through. If it is something that you don't understand because you haven't personally gone through it, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It means you Mm -hmm. don't understand. And it may be a perspective that you never have, but being willing to listen when people are telling you that they're hurting or that they're oppressed or that they are scared to let their sons and daughters drive by themselves at night for fear of getting pulled over by a police officer and shot dead, listen. Because it's a real thing that's happening. It's not just... Um, a convenient thing to put on the news as a lead. It's a real thing that's happening to people every freaking day. So maybe take the time to uh, get some perspective on it and at least just listen. It's real. And I love, I love how you said that. And I, I, I just listen because it's real. You know, sometimes I never want to come across as preachy on this podcast, but I think if if there's anything I continue to learn through everything that 
has hap- that has happened and continues to happen with how the NCAA has handled things to um, to even the the Asian communities who yeah. have continued to suffer hate be- because of such a hateful rhetoric that has made them out to be um, some some villain in a pandemic they had nothing to do with. Mm-hmm. It's just. I, I like I said I never want to come across as preachy and if if we are by any means I'm not going to apologize because I think a lot of times when we're talking I'm saying this as much to myself mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when we're talking a lot of what I'm saying where I'm like you need to do this you need to do this I leave and I sit with it because I'm like right. I need to do these things right I Same. I have a lot of work I have a lot of work to do I have so much work to do I am just like, I am nowhere near, I hope I get to the end of my life whenever that day comes and feel like I've done a lot, but I can promise you, I will never have felt like I've accomplished everything I wanted to. But I think when we can wake up every single day and actively just listen and try to be better, that is how we make change. And you don't make change by telling people that they're whining or they're, um, they're the ones misunderstanding. Maybe you're misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I have a lot of sit to sit with. <laughs> Me too. Oh, Me too. Well, the NCAA tournament for the women's volleyball for for women's volleyball begins um, imminently. By the time you're listening to this podcast, it may even be you know over if you're listening to this down the road. But uh, the thing is, is it needs to continue to be better. So hopefully, we continue to keep fighting for that. It things improve when we fight for them. So if you are somebody who's upset, don't hold back speak up. We need your voice. It's going to take, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but we got to keep fighting one day at a time. Yes. NCAA, I'm I'm still coming for you. (laughs) We uh, will see you next week. If you ever need to email us, we're at mind your own podcast at hillvarsity.com. I'm at Aaron Sorensen on Twitter. She's at Sasha 72. We love to hear from you. Please reach out. We love to hear from you. Even if it's just like sending us an email to say hi. Yes. We'd love to hear from you. So mind your own podcast at hillvarsity.com. We'll be back next week. We'll see if the NCAA is still on my radar. I'm guessing so. (laughs) Talk to you later. A Huda Media Production.